Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. As we have plenty to talk about again today in the news, of course, you've probably heard House Speaker Paul Ryan announcing he will not seek re-election. Also in the news, as we get closer to the release of a new Farm Bill proposal in the House, debate continues to swirl around how USDA plans to compensate farmers for any losses due to a trade war with China. Meanwhile, the number of RFS waivers from EPA starting to be discovered. What do they mean for the industry? The renewable fuels industry wants answers. We'll talk about that on today's program. And finally, some warm weather in parts of the Corn Belt, but anxious farmers also could see more cold weather coming this weekend. More difficult. It's just some of the uh, stories in the news today. We're going to be talking about that RFS issue and how it is connected with the China trade dispute. We're going to talk with Jarrett Renshaw. He's the National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters. And we'll also talk with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. We're also going to talk trade, especially NAFTA, with Sean Haney from Real Agriculture. Get the Canadian perspective on NAFTA and how that's connected with the U.S.-China trade dispute as well. But we're going to start today looking ahead to uh, this planting and growing season. In the state of Missouri, we are joined now by the Missouri Director of Agriculture, Chris Chin. Hi, Chris. How are you? Great, Mike. How are you? Good. Glad to have you on uh, our new show, Adams on Agriculture. And I wanted to talk with you because you dealt with the dicamba issue in your state last year. And as we look ahead to this year, and as we've pointed out on the show, it is a critical year for uh, the dicamba technology and whether farmers are going to have it moving forward as we'll see what kind of decisions EPA makes. A lot of those decisions are based, of course, on how it performs this year as far as do we have any problems and and uh, how do we control those issues. You have taken lots of steps in your state of Missouri. Tell us about how you've prepared for the dicamba issue in 2018. Sure. Well, one of our main goals is to make sure that this uh, dicamba technology remains a tool in our farmers' toolboxes. We want to make sure that farmers who with it and then farmers who choose not to use that technology also have success this planting season. So we implemented a 24C special local needs label in the state of Missouri. Um, and so we, we lines in place to safeguard this technology, um, hoping that it stays around for many years to come. Some of the main um, parts of our 24C label are uh, anybody who's going to be spraying dicamba in the state of Missouri has to fill out a notice of application form on our department website. We changed the times of day um, for applications, so we went from 7.30 in the morning till 5.30 in the evening. We also put some cutoff dates on there um, based off of when we started to see complaints roll in last year. So for the 10 Boot Hill counties, we have a June 1 cutoff date, and for the rest of the year, we have a July 15th cutoff date. Um, We did these knowing that if weather um, prohibited and delayed planning, that we would have to make adjustments. Um, And so we've been watching the weather very, very closely because we want to make sure that our farmers have all the tools they need to have a successful planning season. And then we also have um, the training requirements as well. That's something that EPA required, and we support that. Um, And we really think that's going to make a huge difference this year. 
Yeah, I want to talk more about that training in just a moment. But let's get back to this window that can be used. As we all know, windows in agriculture, especially uh, uh, when you have some weather challenges, those windows are tough uh, to get everything into. And I'm sure you're already hearing from producers perhaps concerned about will they be able to uh, take advantage of those windows and the restrictions in their time because of, uh, you know, you just so many things out of your control when it comes to weather. How, how do you plan to deal with that? Well, right now we are gathering weather data from all over the state, looking at it. Um, we're looking at planning um, reports. You know, right now no one's really gotten in the field. The Boot Hill has started planting some corn in the last couple of days, so that's a, a promising sign. Um, but we are definitely keeping an eye on the situation, and we're going to evaluate um, through conversations with our agronomists, through conversations with university weather data, um, to make sure that we, we get that window just right for the farmers because we do not want to stand in their way. You know, if we're going to be a couple weeks delayed in getting into the field, then we're going to have to adjust our cutoff date um, to match that. So right now we're a little bit too early to tell, um, but we have our hand on the steering wheel. We're keeping a close eye on it um, because we don't want to stand in the way of our farmers making progress. So you're building in some flexibility into this plan. We're talking with Missouri Director of Agriculture, Chris Chin, talking about the steps being taken in the state of Missouri to deal with the dicamba issue. Now, you mentioned training, Chris. I know other states have been doing this throughout the winter as well. Uh, how have your training sessions gone? How well have they been attended? You know, they've been, they've been well attended. We have about over 2,200 applicators who have been trained so far. And, you know, about half of them were in person and half were done online. Um, so we wanted to offer that opportunity to our farmers and custom applicators that they could either do it online or in person. There have been a lot of great questions asked, and, you know, we're encouraged. We've had a lot of phone calls come in the department um, for clarification, things that they just weren't sure about. Um, so we're really glad to see that open communication going on and that people really want to make sure they do it right this year. And so we're excited about that. We think the stewardship approach is going to be a big benefit. It's a balancing act, Chris, uh, walking a fine line here. On the one hand, you're trying to certainly be sensitive to and address the concerns that have been raised. But at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, try to protect uh, a valuable technology for producers moving forward. Right, you know, and that's been, it's a tough line to walk, as you mentioned, but it's one that we feel like the, the state of Missouri has found some even ground um, by having the training, by making sure we have some cutoff dates in place. We feel like we've given farmers plenty of opportunity to make a choice of what's going to work best on their farm um, and for their family. And so that's really what we wanted to do. That's why we, we made this 24C label um, last fall um, so that people, before they made their buying decisions, they had the opportunity to decide what technologies they wanted to use um, and make some of those important decisions early on so that they had plenty of time to plan. Anyone still wanting some information, needing some information on this issue? Uh, do you have a, a website or phone number they can use? We do. They can call, um, go to our website. It's agriculture.mo.gov, and we have a dicamba link on there. Um, if you can't find the dicamba link, if you just type in backslash dicamba um, on, after the .gov, you'll get directly taken to that page. Um, and also you can call the Department of Agriculture. Our phone number here is 573-751-4211. Great, Chris. Good to talk with you again. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day.
You too. Take care. Missouri Director of Agriculture, Chris Chin. Yeah, it's going to be a critical year. We'll be watching closely the dicamba situation as uh, hopefully we will be able to avoid the problems of the past couple of years and be able to maintain the use of this uh, important tool for farmers. All right, big debate between uh, the oil industry and the renewable fuels industry and ongoing uh, issues with the uh, how the administration is going to handle this RFS situation, trying to find out how many waivers EPA has granted to refineries on uh, for the RFS. We're starting to get some numbers, and someone who's been doing some of that digging and reporting on some of those numbers is our next guest, Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters. He'll join us next. Stay with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at Fastline.com. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow and here's my best offer ever get four my pillows for the price of one that's right get four my pillows two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm 11 get four my pillows for the price of one call 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm 11 go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code farm 11 I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. No doubt the last couple of weeks, the two big stories for agriculture have been uh, the U.S.-China trade dispute and uh, the RFS uh, issue with uh, the granting of waivers by EPA. And we kind of thought those were two separate stories for a while, but now we're starting to see how they're more and more are connected. Someone who's done some great reporting on this is our next guest, Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. Jarrett, pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you very much. Hey, happy to be here. Really enjoyed following you on Twitter and uh, your reporting on this. And as we've been trying to find out just how many of these waivers EPA has been granting to refineries, uh, you've been doing some digging, and we're starting to get a few of those numbers. Uh, Don't know exactly, but we're getting a, a better idea of just how many they've given out. Absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, th- this week we reported, uh, I'm sorry, it was last week we reported, there was uh, 25 waivers, small refiner, uh, refinery waivers given in 2017 thus far. Um, we think that number will, will grow, just how much we're not exactly sure. And um, 2016 calendar year is closed, and we know that there was 20 waivers in 16. Both numbers are significantly higher than the previous year, so there's certainly been a a, a, a large number uh, uptick in those exemptions. And what we also don't know is what is the criteria EPA is using to grant these waivers? Absolutely. It, 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 that's something we're still trying to figure out, and I think the, uh, the biofuel community is still trying to figure out exactly what are the terms. We know that there was a court case um, that was settled last year, uh, involving a, a refiner by the name of Sinclair who challenged the rejection of a small refiner exemption. And essentially the, the judge said the EPA was using too, too strict of a standard when they were uh, evaluating the applications. And that standard was essentially if they had to comply, would they close, would they shutter? And the judge said, well, that's, that's, that's too narrow of a, of a test. Um, and you have to broaden it to show some kind of financial hardship. So, you know, exactly how much of a financial hardship, how they show it, and, and how they justify it is, is something we're certainly trying to figure out. But it's very clear that the EPA took the judge's um, order seriously um, and, and, and widened and broadened the, the, the criteria for uh, evaluating who gets it. Yeah, the definition of small and the definition of hardship seem to be uh, uh, in the eye of the beholder here, or in this case, uh, however, Scott Pruitt decides he's going to interpret those terms. And speaking of Scott Pruitt, he's got a lot of controversy swirling around him. This is just one of them. People like Bob Deneen and Senator Grassley, they feel that Scott Pruitt is acting on his own with these waivers, not under guidance from the White House. Uh, how do you feel about that? What What does your reporting uh, indicate to you? Yeah, you know, we've been trying to, to, to draw a straighter line between the White House and the EPA on these actions. You know, I guess I come from 
uh, position, I start my starting position of that the EPA doesn't do things that the White House doesn't want them to do, right? And, and if they do them, they stop doing them. It's hard for me to separate the EPA from the White House on anything, particularly when there's been so much public attention to it and the White House has ample opportunity to, to offer its own opinion on what the EPA is doing or, or, or tell them to stop or even tell Grassley's office that they don't approve of this and we're working with the EPA. So, so in absence of all, all that, I, I guess you have to assume, until you're proven otherwise, that the White House and, and the EPA are in lockstep on this. Um, so that's kind of where I come from. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I kind of look at it like in sports, uh, in a, in a pro- sports program, athletic program, if, a co- if something goes wrong or something's being done uh, wrong, even if the coach doesn't know about it, he should know about it. And once you do find out about it, then what do you do about it? So I guess, I guess we can debate whether or not the White House instructed Scott Pruitt to do this or not or just turned a blind eye. But the, the issue now is they should know about it now. What do they do about it from here on? And do they, do they tell him to stop granting these waivers or let's look at these more closely? Uh, that's what's going to be interesting now. Where do we go from here? I suspect we'll see some legal action on some of the, the biofuels groups that challenge on two fronts. One, the transparency aspect, right? I think there's going to be, uh, we know that the Renewable Fuel Association filed a FOIA. Um, that could be a precursor to litigation um, if they get the same response we got, which is it's confidential business information. So I guess the RFA at that point would have to make a decision whether to challenge that denial. So that, I think that opens the door up for, for the public to get um, some better understanding of who's getting these and why. And then there's the, the issue of the actual uh, approvals themselves. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if some associations challenge the approvals based on some, some, some statutory uh, definition or something like that. So I, I do think we're going to see um, some legal action on those two fronts. And then I, I have every reason to believe that there's going to be some legislative push um, to get some, some more answers on, on that as well and to what extent they're successful at, at raising this issue and kind of putting a halt or at least chilling some of the, the EPA's actions. Um, I, I think that they're the two, two different threads I'm watching. Yeah, what are you hearing? I know you've done some reporting on this. What are you hearing about the legislation uh, kind of being worked on, being crafted to deal with this? Well, we have... Um, you know, we have uh, uh, Senator Cornyn out of Texas is is been trying to, uh, to to cobble together kind of a coalition between the biofuels guys and and the and the oil guys on some reforms the RFS were, that everybody can uh, agree with. And as you can imagine, that's a really delicate dance, and there's no reason to believe he's been successful as of yet uh, of getting everybody on board to a bill. Um, but one part of the bill that we have reported on is that. There is, there is going to be some some clarification or s- some aspect of it going to uh, touch on the small refiner exemptions. Um, Senator Barrasso, uh, who chairs a, a, an important committee where the bill must go through, um, wants, wants broad exemptions to, to the nation's small refineries. Um, we've heard essentially all of them, a blanket exemption, um, and we've also heard that they're going to carve out uh, – Exxon and Chevron, some of the, the large integrated refineries from that bill. Uh, so, we 
we've heard different things. I mean, my my feeling on all this though is that there is eight eight or nine different provisions in that Cornyn bill, and I believe they're all part of a negotiation, right? So, I think uh, any one of them could come off the table or be or change significantly depending on how these negotiations go. So I, I do think that the situation is pretty fluid. I don't think there's much of an appetite. Uh, I don't sense a much of an appetite for a broad exemptions. Um, and I think that, that, would, that would face uh, some, some serious political headwinds, and to, particularly in how it's employed as well. So right now, I, I, you know, nothing seems cemented as far as I can tell in, in, on that path. We're talking with Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. And, Jarrett, there, you mentioned the, politi- the political situation. This is where we see this connection between this issue and the U.S.-China issue as President Trump is trying to show that he's, he's uh, hearing the concerns of farmers and wanting to protect them in a, a potential trade war. Uh, you know, if, if he's got to kind of watch that base as well in, in dealing with these two issues. Absolutely. He was... Um our reporting that there was a meeting Monday between Trump, Pruitt, and uh, 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 Mr. Purdue, and uh, essentially some list of options on how to perhaps uh, reform the RFS or make some executive changes to the RFS, um, and they kind of run the gamut of like uh, credit caps, punt to the legislature, um, RVP waivers, and I believe several other things, and. Our reporting says that essentially the White House said that the situation is a little too hot right now for us to to intervene, given all the the, the unrest in in the Midwest amongst farmers over the potential trade war with China. So the timing of that um, seemed to not be great for the White House. You know, I, the one thing I, if if I was a a farmer in the Midwest, it does suggest to me that Trump would like to do something right so he if he's pausing some kind of action because the time's not that bad that does suggest that absent a a trade dispute which obviously is of his doing um he would be inclined to do something so i, I do think um to highlight that is important and but also we have as our reporting shows if he wants to delay about three months and, that, and that's a lifetime uh, in politics and it's amazing that he's had four or five meetings on this and these people are able to elevate this issue as high as they can. It's hard to keep that in front of the White House. Issues that the White House has to deal with um, over three months, and, and you can see how that could just fall to the wayside at some point in time, uh, particularly if Corden's bill gets some momentum and there's a, there's a second pathway that opens up. Well, Jared, we'll stay in touch with you. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again as this uh, the story develops. Okay? Thanks a lot. Great. No problem. All right. Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. You can follow him on Twitter at Jarrett Renshaw. Some analysis of all this with Scott Irwin from the University of Illinois next on AOA. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low
Time heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1 800 318 7903. That's 1 800 318 7903. 1 800 318 7903. Call now. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Soybean futures on the rise midweek as traders react to smaller than expected domestic and global stockpile numbers from a USDA report released on Tuesday. Domestic supplies are still projected well above a year ago, but the number yesterday came in lower than expected. Argentina said to be back in the market for U.S. soybeans. USDA says the private exporters reported a second sale of 120,000 metric tons to that South American country in as many days. July soybeans closed firmer on Tuesday, but we did close in the lower third of the daily trading range. On this Wednesday, we're four to five and a fraction higher. July contract up five and a fraction at 1065 and a half. We've got chart resistance at 1071 and a quarter. In corn, we're a penny and a fraction lower. New crop December down a penny and a half at 412 and a half. For the wheats, we're a fraction to a penny lower in Minneapolis spring wheat, four and a fraction lower in Chicago wheat, Kansas City wheat, six and a fraction lower. Meat packers are expected to pay higher prices for hogs on this Wednesday. Expectations that physical hog prices may be at a seasonal bottom has boosted the futures this week. We're trending 22 to $1.05 higher an hour into the trading day in lean hog futures, 55 to $1.10 better in live cattle, and 55 to $1.15 higher in feeder cattle. Cash cattle buyers may start to show some more interest on this Wednesday asking prices around 120 on a live basis in the south. U.S. stocks opened lower on Wednesday, reversing a recent rebound with the Dow down 90 points, NASDAQ down 20, the S&P 500 down 5, May crude oil in New York up 64 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. It is interesting how these two stories, the RFS waiver story and the U.S.-China trade dispute story, are 
connecting are intertwined in many ways. We just talked about that with Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters, and again, he's doing some great reporting on this. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jarrett Renshaw. Also very much uh, uh, analyzing this situation, doing some great reporting. Uh, watch him on uh, Twitter, too. Follow him very closely. That's Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. Scott, thanks for joining us. Well, always my pleasure, Mike. It is interesting how these two stories are touching because uh, – uh, they come together because the administration keeps vowing they're going to protect farmers. So you can't really protect farmers or look like you're protecting them on one side if you're turning around and uh, hurting them by <laughs> allowing your EPA to undermine the RFS and, and hurting farmers in that way. They're trying to figure out some way to, uh, as they often say, find this win-win situation here. So the two stories are really uh, bumping together, aren't they? Absolutely, because they come together uh, due to, you know, politics uh, encompasses, you know, all aspects of the, the economics of the farm sector. And so, you know, one, on one hand, you have the battle over the RFS, and that affects corn and soybean prices. And then you have the trade and tariffs issue with China. That obviously affects corn and soybean prices. So they're, they're definitely intermingled. So we started off talking about protect the RFS, keep the RFS intact, and that was kind of the focus. And then all of a sudden it looked like, okay, well, kind of breathed a sigh of relief, looked like the RFS was going to stay intact. Then we start hearing, yeah, it's intact, but it's being weakened by these by these waivers, and we're starting to get an idea now just how many have been granted. How do you see this playing out and moving forward and the impact it has on the, the, on the renewable fuels industry? Well, I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about the small refinery exemptions, and there's also a lot that we don't know because most, you know, virtually all of the data other than the number is still secret with the EPA, and we don't know exactly how these have been implemented. What we know to date is that some retroactive exemptions for 2016 and 17 have been given to refineries, and we don't know if any have been given for 2018. Uh, this is all we know, and that makes it difficult to project the impact. But a couple facts, Mike, that I think can help your listeners. Uh, one, it's important to keep in mind that the EPA clearly has the statutory authority to make these small refinery exemptions. It's in the RFS statute, so long as they follow a reasonable procedure, and this has been the subject of some court proceedings. So it's important to recognize that, that uh, the EPA is not doing anything illegal by issuing small refinery exemptions as long as they're following, uh, in essence, the rules. The problem is, is they're keeping this all secret because they say they don't want to reveal proprietary information about individual firms. And that's, to me, the first place that the rub comes in. Okay, I mentioned this when I was talking to Jared. It seems like the problem is uh, what criteria is Scott Pruitt using for what is a small refinery and what, what amounts to a hardship for someone applying for a waiver? 
That's exactly right. Now, this is the, the devil's always in the details of these kinds of situations. And the issue comes down to it seems clearly that to me that the congressional intent when this waiver was created was basically if it's creating a hardship for what was defined as a small independent refinery that wasn't part of a one of the majors. And what we've come to find out is that one, one and probably several of the majors have gotten their small refineries that they own as a part of a bigger and very profitable company have gotten the exemptions. And that is clearly a gray area. This will be something the, the lawyers will have to settle out. Um, but I, I'm guessing at this point that that was not the congressional intent for these waivers. This, this is kind of an, another example of expansive interpretation of the rules by the EPA. So we see what we'll see what happens moving forward now that there's been so much attention called to this. Meanwhile, what's happening with REN prices? Well, they've uh, cert- the, the ethanol REN prices have dropped into the mid 30s uh, in recent weeks. So uh, they haven't completely collapsed. So if if we had done enough damage to the ethanol demand that it reduced, you know, that ethanol demand down to the E10 blend wall, you know, RIN prices would be much, much lower. They'd just be a few cents. So the market's clearly kind of hedging its bets about, you know, where this small refinery stuff is going to come out and where, um, you know, ultimately worst-case scenario from the biofuels industry perspective. But it's still, all of this has clearly had an impact in terms of driving down the ethanol RIN prices, which does indirectly reduce the incentives for continued adoption and use of E15 and E85. So, Is this waiver process, do you feel it is a way to protect market share for the oil industry and keep ethanol's market share from growing? It, well, it could certainly be seen in that light. I, I continue to uh, not fully understand the refining industry's arguments here. Um, it, it's very clear that at least a part of the refining industry really hates the RFS and get, wants to get rid of it on, entirely, if possible. And so... Uh, that probably does have that that market share interpretation. So as we look at possible outcomes of this, one of the things the renewable fuels industry is asking for, of course, is to be allowed to sell, have E15 in the marketplace year-round. If that were granted, what impact would it have? Well, it's really up in the air right now depending on where we ultimately come out with the way the small refinery exemptions are going to be accounted for in the annual RFS rulemakings. If they follow precedent and take into account expected small refinery exemptions when setting the percentage standards in 2019 and forward, then that basically takes the small refinery issue off the table. And if you add to it 
than the RVP waiver, then that would be positive for E15, and I think it would help boost that somewhat. But it could all be offset if the EPA uh, comes up with some kind of creative, expansive way of not accounting for these exemptions in the future rulemakings, then that could be an offset to an RVP waiver. So a lot of moving parts here. So much talk about a cap on RINs. Do you see that happening? No. I think that that is very unlikely at this point. If the political momentum for an administrative RINs cap or a RINs, RINs cap instituted through some kind of administrative rulemaking at the EPA, if we that political momentum was going to have happened, I believe it would have already happened. And then that means that uh, the attention will focus now on a congressional move to institute legislation that um, does that by changing the RFS. And I just don't see that happening, particularly as we get close to the midterms. I just, I just can't see uh, a scenario where the Trump administration would want to open that can of worms. So I think the announcement that we're going to kick the can down the road three months, you know, that puts us right in the heat of the midterm elections. I just, it really, I just can't imagine we will be able to, it, it will never even be debated on the Senate or the House floor. We'll be watching that closely. Hey, before we let you go, what'd you think of yesterday's numbers from USDA? Very interesting. Wish we had time to talk about those. I I was surprised by the um, USDA's feed and residual number on corn uh, based on the March 1 grain stocks uh, information. We had knocked our feed and residual use for 17, 18 uh, down 100 million, and you could have made a case for an even bigger reduction, but the USDA only reduced 50 million uh, bushels. So, that surprised me. Um, and on soybeans, I was also surprised that they didn't reduce exports. Um, I, that, that definitely raised my eyebrows. The foreign production numbers, in particular corn and soybean for, uh, you know, were pretty close to what I and I think most of the market expected. But those are the two things that raised my eyebrows in the WASDE report yesterday. Scott, always good to talk with you, uh, follow you closely, encourage others to do so as well on Twitter, at Scott Irwin UI. Thanks, as always. We'll talk again. All right. Look forward to it. Bye-bye. Take, take care. University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. All right. Coming up next, uh, more on trade. We're going to talk NAFTA, but also how NAFTA is impacted by the U.S.-China dispute. Sean Hayding from Real Agriculture with a Canadian perspective joins us next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. 
bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. 
Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. I want to thank Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter with Reuters, and University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin for being on with us today. Interesting to see how the RFS uh, story is connected now with the U.S.-China trade story. You can also connect that U.S.-China trade story with the NAFTA negotiations. We're going to do that with our next guest, Sean Haney from Real Agriculture. Sean, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great this morning, Mike. And you know what? We're getting a little bit closer to spring, although the weather hasn't necessarily indicated that. But uh, baseball is also on TV. <laughs> yeah, watching them all bundled up trying to play baseball in the cold has been kind of interesting, but you're right. In the Corn Belt, we're getting a little warm up this week, kind of teasing us, but uh, it sounds like it may cool back off this weekend. So we're, But at least we're, it, it, when we're talking starts and stops on this weather, at least we're getting some starts with spring. So that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Okay, watching these yeah, uh, NAFTA negotiations. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, who who wouldn't want a 95-mile-an-hour cutter on the hands when it's only about plus five, Ooh. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Talk about bees in the bat. That's even worse. Uh, that just break your hands off practically. All right, let's talk about NAFTA. Yeah. There have been some reports. Uh, maybe some progress has been made, but then you, about the time something a story like that comes out, somebody else comes along and says, well, not so fast. Uh, it's going to be a while. What are you hearing? Well, they're, they continue to put this agreement in principle, which – you know what? I think it's a positive thing. It, it, it's nice to say, hey, if, if we can actually get to this point, we've come a long ways in the last three months from where these all three of these countries were. But it, it's it, it really does continue to be a little bit difficult. I did actually see a note that Senator Bennett was urging. He wrote a letter to USTR Robert Lighthizer saying, you know, don't close this this issue of NAFTA before you talk about dairy. Don't get you know, and, and so you know, President Trump promised. He promised Wisconsin dairy farmers he was going to take care of them. So, you know, there, there's a little bit of lobbying going on on both sides of the border. What's interesting, I think, is that the USTR, Robert Lighthizer, did say that they're about 80% of the way there with Mexico. Not, they're hoping Canada kind of gets drug along. I'm not, I, I've asked a number of people, and I can't really get a straight answer on why would Canada be the one dragging their feet. I, I think it's a little bit of political posturing on, on Lighthizer's uh, part. The, the whole part of this agreement on principle, I'll, I'll give you a, a bit of a history lesson here. When Canada signed the CETA agreement with Europe, they they did the agreement in principle back in 2013. Four years later, they actually got the agreement done. So just because we have this agreement in principle potentially on NAFTA, it doesn't mean that we are, we're all the way there. And as we've talked about many times, a long ways from even if you had a deal, getting it passed – uh, you know, in Congress alone here, that that's going to be very, very difficult. How does the U.S.-China trade dispute 
impact NAFTA? <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a really really interesting one. I think you know there, there's been a Chinese envoy in Canada since late last week, and you know, there there's uh, they're using Canada as a bit of a well, I, I think a chess piece to be honest with you. There was uh, I, I saw one commentary. The Chinese ambassador to Canada mentioned that you know they want Canada to stay neutral in the middle of this U.S.-China potential trade war, which I think is sort of a bit of a shot of the, across the bow to Canada. It's not necessarily choose sides. I also think there's a little bit of they feel that Canada Prime Minister Justin Trudeau may have some influence on President Trump. It is one of the world leaders that he really has not had any sort of a squabble with. They seem to get along. I think they have a lot in common, to be honest with you. And so Canada really is caught in the middle here. I, I think that there's going to be pressure from the United States not for Canada not to necessarily choose China's side. I don't believe that Canada will, to be honest with you, at all. There, The U.S. market is much more important to Canada right now than, than China is. There, there has been talks in the last couple of days, though, where this Chinese envoy is saying, you know, it's time for Canada and China to step up their free trade negotiations. And uh, the, the reality is, though, is that there's some things they do not agree with. China does not want to accept any, any of these progressive policies that Canada would want to put in a free trade deal like they did in the TPP. So I, I, I think that's a bit of a ploy on China's part to say, you know, which could throw a bit of a wrench in these NAFTA talks, because if Canada was today to announce we're going to start free trade talks with China, I don't think that would be looked upon very nicely by the United States and the USDR. It just shows that these things are not done in a vacuum, that they are interconnected. Oh, I, I think so. All of this is. Just like we saw the TPP was very connected to NAFTA. That's one of the reasons that Canada drug its feet for so long on the TPP after the U.S. had left is because they didn't want it to negatively influence the, influence the NASA talks with the U.S. So I think, I, I think for sure, I, one, of the, one of the things is with NAFTA is that I think, I think President Trump could really, really help his cause in this battle with China if he was able to have what Larry Kudlow has talked about, which is this, this coalition of the willing, where they get more countries on side with them to put more group pressure on China instead of it being sort of a U.S. versus China battle. I think that's one of the one. And so if we were able to get NAFTA done and have this agreement in principle or whatever we're going to call it, you know, having Canada and Mexico on the same side as the U.S., it would really, really, I think, help the cause in a lot of these negotiations. Of course, now we have today Secretary Purdue in front of Congress trying to explain how the administration would take care of uh, U.S. farmers if there is a trade war and losses are felt, how they would compensate them for that. You, there's already a skeptical Congress on that, but uh, if you even if you do something like that, it would be interesting to see what they come up with. Real quick, uh, Sean, that could have WTO implications. Well, th there's no doubt about that. that that's, that's this whole chain reaction. So if all of a sudden the U.S. increases the subsidies to farmers to protect them against the losses if a trade war was to start with China, all of a sudden, countries like Canada, Mexico, and others are going to be putting their hand up and saying, uh, excuse me, now this is impacting our ability to compete against the U.S. in these global markets. So I, I think there's going, to be, there's going to be a little bit of a need for caution here on how high these subsidies could be, how they go about it, because darn right, Mike, countries like Canada are very much going to be putting their hand up and saying, um, we have a problem with this. And that could then negatively influence some of the NAFTA talk. So we, that just jumps right back to the NAFTA discussion again. Mm -hmm. These are all very interconnected. 
And for so long, we've been trying to decrease tariffs, decrease subsidies, and now we're just in this environment where we just want to raise everything. It's, it's really it's not good for agriculture. We'll see how it plays out. Sean, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Take care. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, anytime. Sean Haney, you hear him uh, on Real Agriculture on Sirius XM. Thanks to all of our guests for being with us today. More on these issues and more tomorrow. I'll be in Kansas City for the National Agri-Marketing Association annual meeting. So hope you'll join me tomorrow right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now.